Messenger Droid. You are listening live here to a special edition of Brandon's World here on this Monday, December 6, 2021. And of course, we have a lot to get to in the National Football League. Before we get there, I do want to update you guys on the schedule for next week. So as you guys know, usually on Monday, so that would be Monday, December 13th, we come on here like we will today, and we will break down all of the NFL action. However, that is going to be on Tuesday next week. So Tuesday, December 14th. The reason being is because Monday, December 13th, we're going to be having on friend of the show, Matt Hathaway. Of course, longtime Steelers fan, we're going to talk to him about the AFC North. We may even throw in a little bit of Kent State football because he's a Kent State alumni. Of course, as am I, Kent State just lost to Northern uh, Illinois in the MAC championship. But, uh, you know, they will be playing Wyoming in the Idaho Potato Bowl. So we may address that a little bit. What if we spend a lot of time with him, though, talking about the National Football League? You know, a little bit of college football. Of course, the Final Four just happened. No surprise there with Alabama going up against Cincinnati. In my opinion, Michigan going up against Georgia. I told you all I would have taken Alabama plus six against Georgia. I would have taken Michigan to beat Iowa. I would have taken Cincinnati to beat Houston. I thought there was no surprise there. That was the normal final four. But yes, front of the show, Matt Atherway will be joining us. We may be even getting into some MLB CBA stuff as well since Major League Baseball is locked out. So be on the lookout for that. That will be next Monday, December 13th. Along with next Tuesday, we'll break down all of the Week 14 NFL action. And then on Thursday, we will preview Week 15. Because, of course, there are two games on Saturday that week, as well as a Thursday night game. So the Sunday schedule gets a little bit thrown off. Excuse me, I apologize. We will... Um, yes, I'm sorry, that, that is correct. We will, we will uh, examine week 14 next week and then preview week 15. My bad on that for any of that confusion as I just confused myself for a second. Uh, but before we get into, you know, all of the week 13 NFL action stuff as the NFL season is coming down, I just want to say thank you again for listening to the special mental health podcast that we produced on Friday. Again, a special shout out to Andrew Backer, Sophie Hudson, Molly Buckner, who were involved in that process, involved with planning it for over a month and really sharing their true feelings. And shout out to all of you guys for the positive feedback on that. That was a very personal story again. You know, me overcoming my mental health crisis in college. Being able to share that, relating it to NFL players, such as Lane Johnson, such as Calvin Ridley. Something very special, so I appreciate you all for that. Uh, enough of this sad song story. You guys know where to get the podcast wherever you listen. You know, follow me on Twitter at Brandon Lewis underscore 7, as well as at Real underscore B-World. So without further ado, let's get into it. Breaking it down. NFL action. Kicking things off. Thursday Night Football. Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints. Now, I said if I wasn't a Philadelphia Eagles fan, this would be one of my best bets of the week. I would have taken Dallas. Obviously, Dallas defeating the Saints 27-17. They would have covered the 4.5, which I told you you should have bet. I thought Asim Hill was going to look terrible. Now, I thought they were going to get Alvin Kamara potentially back in this game. Obviously, that did not happen. Yes, they did have Mark Ingram, but it really did not make that much of a difference. The Saints do not have any weapons offensively. They do it to play the Jets next week. 
and I believe that that game is in uh, N New York, and it really doesn't matter because I will pick the Jets to probably win that game. I think the Saints right now are just so limited offensively. They cannot move the football. They're a very boring football team. And Dallas didn't even play that good of a game. You know, Dak Prescott did not. They were a little bit out of sync. C.D. Lamb had a good game offensively. That was about it for them. Tony Pollard, obviously, in a huge toss play, really broke the game open. But that defense intercepting Taysom Hill, you know, four times. I believe it was, what, like three in the fourth quarter. Absolute amazing performance by Trayvon Diggs, Michael Parsons, that Cowboys defense getting out of the quarterback. And at this point, I would say it's safe. The Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East Championship. And I believe that the New Orleans Saints will miss the postseason like I predicted. Now, I understand that Jameis Winston has been hurt, but I thought this Saints team was overflawed from the beginning of the year. I thought they had no weapons outside of Michael Thomas and Kamara. Michael Thomas has obviously not played the whole year. Alvin Kamara has been out the last month. And you're seeing what I see, which is a very bad Saints a very bad Saints football team. Excuse me. Next game. We got my Philadelphia Eagles, led by Gardner Minshew, which prior to Saturday night, I thought it was going to be J1 Hurts. I told you that on the podcast. Nick Sirianni said J1 was more of a 50-50. J1 said he was good to go. I anticipated that like J1 Hurts was going to be good to go and start this ball game. He did not. Gardner Minshew did a good job filling in, not missing any passes. Obviously hitting Dallas Goddard, who after catching one ball for zero yards against the Giants, came back with six catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns against the New York Jets. I thought Gardner Minshew was efficient. I thought he was accurate. I thought the Eagles defense early on was very passive. They were not getting any pressure. Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, nothing on Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, when he has time to me, looks like a very accurate quarterback. Elijah Moore had a very good day at, at receiver. You know, running-wise, Tevin Coleman, very good out of the backfield for them. But when you start putting pressure on the Jets, like the Eagles did in the second half, Eagles were able to win the second half 9-0 with three field goals by kicker Jake Elliott. Defeating the Jets 33-18 as the Eagles obviously move on to their bye week here at 6-7. Now the next game, we got the Miami Dolphins. They defeated the New York Giants by a final score of 20-9. This was a very boring game. Obviously the Giants did not have Daniel Jones. It was Mike Glennon. And I told you guys this on the podcast on Thursday. I said, get this line at minus 4, minus 5, whatever it was before it went up. And it went up to about six and a half before the game. Now, Miami would have covered anyways. Obviously, we all knew that. And don't look now, folks. But the Dolphins, who, what did they start out? Like one and seven are now six and seven. I believe they have won five straight victories. They have the Jets coming up after their bye. Then they got the Saints again. So this is a very easy, winnable schedule here for the, for the Miami Dolphins, who very well could finish. 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight after starting 1-7. and seven. And they have a chance, believe it or not, to make the postseason. Do I think they will? No. Do they have a chance, though? Absolutely. To it, I go by law. We talked about it. I talked about it on this podcast all year long. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. But what is he doing? He's not turning the football over. That is key, and the Dolphins are playing great complimentary defense behind it, and they're just beating teams they're supposed to beat, folks. Next game, arguably one of the shocks of the day. The Los Angeles Chargers going into Cincinnati had an early 24-0 lead on the Bengals. 
Bengals bounce back and make it 24-22 midway for the third quarter. Chargers score the last 19. They win it 41-22. Justin Herbert, another phenomenal performance against the AFC North. And Joe Burrow looked to hurt his pinky early in that ballgame that seemed to affect him in the second half. It's something to watch going forward with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are now 7-5, and five, and they are definitely in the hunt for an AFC wildcard spot. Believe it or not, they are right now the 7th seed, but they're only a game back of the 1 seed. They're also a game back from being out of the playoffs. So it just shows you how close, Nick, and tight this AFC wildcard picture is. This was a big swing game, a big victory for the Los Angeles Chargers, who have now beaten the Bengals, they have beaten the Browns, they have beaten the Steelers. So these opponents in front of them, you know, outside of Baltimore, they have taken care of the AFC North. And when Justin Herbert is on, the Chargers have a very explosive offense. But when you can get pressure on Herbert, much like Joe Burrow, these young quarterbacks seem to struggle under pressure against the Blitz. I think Justin Herbert is a phenomenal quarterback. I think Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. Yesterday at ahead, you couldn't really see many flaws between the two, but I thought the Chargers, who were embarrassed last week by their division rival Denver Broncos, wanted it more yesterday than the Bengals, who were coming off two thrashings against the Raiders and the Steelers. And now they get the Niners at home, a Niners team that is going to be angry as well, coming off a bad loss to Seattle, which we will get to in a minute. It seems like with Cincinnati, they, they either beat down somebody or they get beat down. They're not in a lot of close games, so I don't really know how to read them. Next game. Uh, Tyrod Taylor played the worst game of his own NFL career. The Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz did not do much. The key thing is he didn't turn the football over and he gave the ball to Jonathan Taylor, who finished with over 140 rushing yards. Indianapolis defeats Houston 31 to nothing. This was one of my first best bets of the week. I said Indianapolis minus nine. I hit it. Boom, we hammered it. Next game, one of my best bets as well. I picked my Detroit Lions here, folks. Led by Dean Campbell. I kept saying the Lions are one of the best zero-win teams I've ever seen in my young life. They play hard for their head coach, Dan Campbell. To me, it was easy money for Detroit plus seven. Now, they almost blew the game completely. And the Vikings, you know, maybe they weren't going to cover this game, but I almost got this game wrong and straight up money-wise. The Lions were up 11 points at one point. I believe they were up like... 27 to 16 or something like that Vikings end up coming back Jared Goff though man he had a chance it was 27 to 23 late in the fourth quarter you have no timeouts Jared Goff inside of a dome where he's very comfortable go win the football game and that is exactly what Jared Goff did big time clutch money drive something we have not seen Baker Mayfield do this year for the Cleveland Browns by the way folks Jared Goff just did it yesterday against the Minnesota Vikings. Very impressive. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions, who next week will probably get their their you-know-whats kicked in by the Denver Broncos after their embarrassing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But shout-out to Dan Campbell. This team has been playing well for weeks. They are in every game. They've lost a lot of close games to the buzzer. They finally won a close game to the buzzer. And you just knew this had to happen. Like I said on the podcast on Thursday, if there was a week for the Detroit Lions to win, I thought it would have been this week. Very impressive for the Detroit Lions to go out and get that huge victory. Another hit, by the way, on the best bet, as I mentioned, Lions plus seven. 
I thought Arizona would make a statement, but I was nervous about this game because of the weather. It did not matter. Kyle Murray played terrific. Obviously, in his return, Arizona picks off Andy Dalton four times. They win this ball game 33 to 22. Arizona again looking to make a statement as they, along with Tampa Bay and Green Bay, look to be the cream of the crop in the NFC. Next game, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Tom Brady, another huge game. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, huge receiving game. Rob Gronkowski with two touchdowns from the tight end position. You know, Godwin had over 150 receiving yards without a touchdown, plus 12 catches. Very impressive day for Chris Godwin. Leonard Fournette, he didn't do much in the running game, but he did a lot more in the receiving game. Tampa Bay picked apart that at win in secondary. A good win for them in the division. It looked like a typical Falcons game where Atlanta was going to keep it a game for the first half. Tampa Bay came away in the second half. They win it again 30-17. A big game, and this was one of the best games of the day, folks. Believe it or not, I know it was 7-6 going into the fourth quarter. But this Washington football team Las Vegas Raiders game to me was very entertaining because it's two teams on the bubble of the wild card picture. Washington knows they're probably not going to catch Dallas in the NFC East. Vegas knows they're probably not going to catch the Chargers or the Chiefs in the AFC West. They are fighting for their playoff lives. And I thought Vegas had them yesterday, but Washington with a new field goal kicker able to bang it in at the buzzer. Washington obviously winning by two because Vegas, who had 12 points on the board at one point, went for two to tie the game at 14 to 12. They went to tie it up at 14. Derek Carr misses A. Jones, who was open in the back of the end zone. Unfortunately for Vegas, I felt like Derek Carr did not have a great game yesterday. Yes, he made some clutch throws too on a run throw without Darren Waller and obviously now without Henry Ruggs for the rest of their lives. You know, the Raiders just, they don't have that offensive explosion. Deshaun Jackson isn't the same. He really kicked on a, on a run throw. He's a basic slot receiver with, you know, he reminds me of a Cole Beasley, the current Buffalo Bill and former Dallas Cowboy wide receiver. You just can't count on that the whole game. It looks like they lost Kenyon Drake as well for the season. Josh Jacobs has not had a good season. So this Vegas team feels like a team that's good enough to spoil somebody's season. I don't know if they're good enough to make the postseason. This Washington team, though, after starting 2-6, is now 6-6. Six six. They're gaining momentum, and they have a home game next week against the Dallas Cowboys. A big game in the NFC East if they want any chance to get back at Doug Prescott and crew. They have to win that ball game next week. I just do not trust Taylor Heineke in big spots. I didn't think he played that well yesterday. I thought, you know, we talked about this Washington football team early in the year was the offense carrying the defense. Now it's the defense carrying the offense, and they are winning ball games. The defense, after a struggle the first half of the year, looks like they're getting back in, back in a form. I don't know if they're going to make the postseason, but definitely, you know, they will have a chance to, I believe, at the end of the year. How about this? The Rams, they stopped Jacksonville 37-7. One of my best bets as well. A nice prediction from me. I like the Rams in this game, minus 4.5. I thought it was a good bounce-back game for them. And it was Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, everybody around had a good game for the Rams. Not going to spend a lot of time on it. Next game, we got the Niners and the Seahawks. Now, this was a shock to me. Seattle ends up sweeping San Francisco this year. And for a Niners team that was starting to gain momentum, right, and win three games in a row. Now, they go to Seattle, which, as we know this year with fans, a very tough place to play. 
but it just felt like that Seattle team was dead. It felt like the Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll relationship was on the bridge of being unpreparable. It felt fractured. Uh, Seattle's own good advantage did not feel as big as in years past. And Seattle came out, they caught a fake punt for a touchdown early in the game. They got the defense going, they got the crowd in it, and they had a 14-point lead at one point. They fumbled the ball on the goal line that let the Niners come back into the ball game. Jimmy Garoppolo has played his best football for the Niners since the Super Bowl year, I believe, over the last month to try to get these Niners back in a playoff contention. Again, they are fighting with teams like Minnesota, like the football team, like the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, like, like the Atlanta Falcons, I would even say, for a spot in that NFC, which is just so tightly crowded. Obviously, we know the Saints and Carolina are in there. Carolina had a bye week. They just fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. I do not think Carolina or the Saints are going to make it for the record here. But this was a must-win game for San Francisco, more than Seattle, who does have an outside shot to make the blast. But it would be an unbelievable story if Russell Wilson once again rallied this franchise back from the dead because he's just that special. Big win for Seattle, and they just keep a glimmer of hope in their playoff spot. A big wash for San Francisco. Next game here, an old classic Ravens-Steelers game where Baltimore dominated the majority of the first half. Lamar Jackson did not play well, but they were able to run the football. They were up 7-3 at halftime. Obviously, then Pittsburgh outscored them 17-12 in the second half to win the game 20-19. We all know about the last drive of the game where Lamar Jackson ends up driving down and it's Sammy Watkins. Baltimore decides to go for two. I know they were out Marwin Humphrey. I know they don't have Marcus Peters. I know they don't have Jimmy Smith. They really have no corners left. I still didn't love that decision to go for two. Though I thought the play was executed perfectly. Lamar Jackson puts it on Mark Ingram. Boom, the Ravens win the football game. This was one of my best bets, though. I said take Pittsburgh plus four and a half. I thought four and a half was way too many points. I thought this was going to be a two to three point game. Like it always is in the Ravens-Steelers rivalry. Now, we learned over the weekend that this will be Ben Roethlisberger's last season in Pittsburgh. Tell you what, he played it like it was one of his last games. Against the Baltimore Ravens, Najee Harris was able to run the ball well in the second half. And this is the Steelers formula, right? Sack Lamar Jackson seven times. Run the football. Control the clock. Don't let Ben Roethlisberger make a mistake. And Pittsburgh forced the Ravens, especially Lamar Jackson, early in the game. A bad first quarter interception in the mistakes. And Lamar Jackson has not played well, especially over the last month, in my opinion. You know, just missing reads, throwing four interceptions against the Browns. They've gotten away with it because they've won a lot of football games. Now an angry Baltimore team goes to Cleveland next week. And the Browns season, folks, is on the line. I'm telling you that right now. Browns season is on the line next week when the Ravens take on the Browns. 1 o'clock in First Energy Stadium should be a playoff atmosphere because if the Browns cannot defeat Baltimore at least once, they do not deserve to make the postseason. I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going to be angry after that watch. I think they feel like they should have beat Pittsburgh. Obviously, the Steelers are able to keep their season alive. Now, do I think Pittsburgh is going to make the playoffs? No, I don't think they deserve it. They are 2-2 two and two in their division, but they got swept by Cincinnati. What does that tell me? Cincinnati is a better football team. I think Joe Burrow, who has obviously, they've beaten the Steelers twice. They've beaten the Ravens. Now, they have not beaten the Browns. Bengals have two more matches with the Ravens 
and that's going to be in Cincinnati, along with the Browns in Cleveland. Two very interesting matchups. This AFC North is very even right now. Though, again, I do think the Ravens and the Bengals are the two most explosive teams in that division. But shout out to Pittsburgh yesterday for saving their season. Next game. And, of course, the final game of the Sunday window. Broncos Chiefs. This was a very boring game. Patrick Mahomes was off. The defense was on. Denver, in my opinion, should have kicked field goals. They're going for it on fourth down. It would have made it a lot interesting game. I said take Kansas City minus nine. I was correct on that. Chiefs win the game 22-9. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey combined under 50 receiving yards in the game. Did not matter that Patrick Mahomes turned the football over because Teddy Bridgewater turned the football over as well. And for all of this talk this year about Denver's weapons, Javante Williams at running back is a stud, and I like Noah Fingen at tight end. Outside of that, I'm not a big fan of Jerry Judy at receiver. I'm not a big fan of Corwin Sun at receiver. I think they're a little bit overrated. If you ask me, they need to upgrade a quarterback. They're definitely fourth in the division at quarterback. When you have to force Teddy Bridgewater to throw the football, it's not a good thing. That's why Denver lost the game. I thought Denver lost the game more than Kansas City won it because I thought Kansas City played terrible offensively. To the points where I thought there were guys open. You know, it's not like Denver was shutting down Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. I thought for the most part, you know, Byron Pringle was open a few times. Michael Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes just struggled getting there. He's trying to make too many sidearm throws. As Chris Collins was pointed out on the broadcast last night, I was extremely disappointed in how Patrick Mahomes acted. I was disappointed. I thought Kansas City would put on a fireworks show. It did not happen, but they still got the victory. And that's all that counts. So in case you're wondering, I only missed three games straight up in the money line. I missed Las Vegas and Washington. Uh, I ended up missing the Chargers and the Bengals. And I missed San Francisco and Seattle. So I picked San Francisco. I picked Cincinnati. And I picked Vegas. Those three were losses. I ended up going 10 and 3 though. We'll see about Buffalo and New England tonight. That's obviously a very interesting game. It is in a hailstorm. As a reminder, I am picking Buffalo at home strictly because I like the uh, Josh Allen over Mac Jones matchup here. I don't know if Bill Belichick and this New England defense is going to be able to figure out Buffalo as New England does look to be back. They would be the number two seed in the AFC right now. The issue is, is it's easily their biggest test in the last, you know, month and a half. So we'll see. Obviously, I think they'll be ready. I think they'll be prepared. I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up with this Buffalo offense. And if Buffalo can keep going and if they can put up 30 points, I'm not sure New England can keep up with them in that type of game. We know New England gets a lot of their points off turnovers in short fields. If Buffalo does not turn the football over, they have a great chance to walk out of there leading the AFC East. And by the way, a very important game because I don't know if Buffalo can win in New England, but I know they can beat New England in Buffalo. That's a very important game. So Buffalo wins that game. I will be 11-3 straight up in the money line. My best week since week six in the National Football League easily. I went 5-0 in my best bets, by the way. I hit the Indianapolis Colts minus nine against Houston. You know, uh, I hit the Rams minus 12 and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hit the Detroit Lions plus seven against the Minnesota Vikings. I hit the Pittsburgh Steelers plus four. 
pushed four and a half against the Baltimore Ravens, and then I hit last night, Kansas City minus nine against the Denver Broncos. So I'm, you know, red odd in best bets for the week, five and oh. That'll get me to 36, 28 and one on the 65 games best bets. That puts me at then, that means that's eight games above 500, which means I think it's pretty safe that as long as I don't screw up the rest of the way, we could have a winning record in best bets this year, which is all that I wanted. By the way, in case you were wondering, I am now 118 and 75 in straight up money line games this year. And in case you were also wondering, that Lion Steelers game came as a wash because I picked Pittsburgh to win that game. They did not win that game. We do not do ties in the straight up money line, so that counted as a wash. I am now 118 and 75. Again, Matt Hathaway will be joining the podcast on Monday, but we will be back on Thursday. Breaking down week 14 NFL. There's a lot of good games, including Buffalo at Tampa Bay in the white window with Jim Nance and Tony Rowell. So I hope you guys enjoyed the great, the great, the wonderful NFL action that was this weekend. The great college football championship games. Obviously, we know about Bama, Cincinnati, Georgia, Michigan. That's without a doubt. I will get into that more when the time comes to break down the four, the two matchups in the college football playoff. Until then, we'll see you guys on Thursday when, again, we'll break down the New England Buffalo game as well as preview the Week 14 NFL action. We'll see you guys then. And peace!